ESPN Kansas City presents Go oh. Underground, powered by Mariner. <laughs> Look at this music. Look at you guys dropping old school on me. <laughs> hey, welcome to Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Here back in the stables, Sully and Wardo. We got our um, we got our Tito's on. Um, well, not enough ice. Not enough uh, ice. We'll toast Cheers it to up. Cheers, Cheers to our guest Thursday Cheers. afternoon. Cheers. We, hey, Cheers. we got Cheers. our guest who was so enthusiastic, he didn't even wait for the damn intro music to finish. I mean, it, <laughs> that would have been a perfect time, by the way, uh, Kelly, to put your drink to your mouth while we were prepping for the beginning of the damn show. My bad. Let me do it again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Holy cow. Hey, listen. Was that, was, that the, was that the verb or verb? Or what That's was the that? verb. Right? That's All right. the verb. You, 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 name, yeah. you remember? Remember the song? What's the name of the song? Yeah. I mean, you're, you are, it's like 67 now, but you are still a little know. hip. I don't know. I don't know. I might have shake the leg a time or two to that one. <laughs> Bittersweet Symphony, symphony is, the, uh, is the... Yeah, is there you go. That's it. I think that's it. Very that good. movie, Cruel Intentions? Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a great, great movie. Yeah, well, it was one of the great videos of the 90s. Just this dude walking down the street. With the, the 90s. Yeah, yeah, the 90s. An epic time to <laughs> be on Earth. A wonderful time for grunge music and, um, I don't know, mildly chubby women back in Chicago. Hey, welcome to Golf Underground. <laughs> We're with Kelly Gibson. You uh, you might not know Kelly Gibson, but you will know Kelly Gibson after today because he, um, you know, at Wardo, um, you're going to kind of give us the uh, the setup on, on how you, you bonded with this man. Now, this man had... As, uh, he, he paid his dues on the PGA Tour. He's, he's won four times as a, as a professional and, you know, things like the, the Nike Tour and the and the Corn Ferry Tour and just the Ferry Tour and every, you know, every little side Ferry Tour and the Maggot Tour. and the, He's got all of it, right? I love, I love the fact that you said I won four times. Just, <laughs> that made my day already. <laughs> yeah, that's what Those I'm saying. Count. Listen, hey, we, we, what we do, we inflate resumes here on the Golf Underground. <laughs> It's, it's uh, that's important. Actually, the one rule, the one thing that you will find, and we we catapult careers. Searching that internet hard, trying to find out where I your, won right now. Your your career will be catapulted. Um, <laughs> everyone that comes on this show moves on to greatness. It's I true. mean, you can name it. Um, yeah, there's just so many names that it yeah. might take three, four, five months, but you will have greatness. It's going to be a f- hell of a year uh, for you. Thank you. I'm due. Yeah, it is. You are due. It's been a long ride. All right, so so hey, so Kelly, you did spend time. We we won't go through the whole formal resume. That'll come out over the next hour and a half. And as you get mildly buzzed, the truth serum will kick in. Um, but Wardo, tell us about this trip you made two weeks ago. Now it was like on a, a Wednesday, and of course you you dropped it on me that you were heading on some fancy tournament, and then you you gave me the T sheet <laughs> of all these freaking really good golfers. Wait, there was just like some uh, funny scramble you were in. You still do scrambles, do you? Well, it was a little more. Than a, it was a little more than a Monday scramble, Monday outing. But um, no, they had a nice. I had never been to the Floridian. I'd always been uh, honored, and Doug Albers, aka Fig Jam, had asked me to come down to the Floridian several times. And um, player alert! Player alert! He is one hell of a player. We need to have him on the show. Um, and I did, I'd never made it, and so Joe Agnello, a good pal of mine who also lives next door to them, asked me to come down and so uh and, and play in this event called the Harmon and the Harmon's a a professional a B player a C player and a D player well we kind of were like by the book on this and didn't know that like <laughs> the D players in some of the groups were like were so actual pro. two handicaps so anyhow it was a, it was a tall task but we had a we, the whole thing about this thing was just having fun and you know you got guys like Kelly Gibson that are playing in the field I think you had an 
Saw Nick Price down there, Brian Erlocker, the old bone, bone crusher oh, yeah. from the Chicago Bears. Lumpy, you had Lumpy. We had Lumpy. Yeah. Lumpy was there. See, we've catapulted <laughs> Lumpy's career. He's now on the senior tour crushing it. He's banging darts. He's having vod cranberries and just, you know, making sure he doesn't get a UTI infection. Was, was he hacking butts pretty good? He was absolutely on it. He was, he as, was com- rare form. as he Michael Commodore did. would say, he was in one. He was in one, yeah. <laughs> he, he hasn't been in the stable yet. Um, uh, the other guy that was there, hell of a player, is um, the old Ozzy. Um, oh, my gosh. I didn't even get a chance Steve to Elkington. talk to him. Steve Elkington. Oh, Steve Elkington. yeah. I didn't get a yeah. chance to talk to the old Elk. He's got some stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's I saw stories. as a result he was on the old Colt Nose show right after that, so I'm guessing that Erlocker and... Jeff Fujimoto, who's coming on this show here in the next couple of weeks, is uh, we're telling him to go on that show. But oh, yeah. anyhow, hey, listen, Cole, let's get on with our guest. He's, he's a jack sniffer. That Colt knows. Jeff Fujimoto right. made a made a hole in one right there on the eighth hole. He he did. I was in the group right behind him, and sure, I heard all the roars. So. Hey, hey, all right. So, so yeah. Kelly, Kelly, how'd you hit him down there? Because you do, I mean, back in the day, I mean, you were a guy you were throwing in 65, 65, 65. And I believe you, as you say it, um, you were uh, very few tournaments do guys uh, finish with three rounds of 65. And um, on the, uh, at, the, at the time you did it, you lost to um, a very young um, up-and-comer by the name yeah, of... Yeah, we're going to get to that right out the yeah, gate. Yeah, we, we listen. Let's wait, wait, no. Out, no we, we're not going to Tiger yet. Let's talk about Kelly. So, Kelly, talk a little bit about... What it was like, give us a little bit of the background growing up, playing, obviously, from the South, playing on tour. Give us life inside of Kelly Gibson. What's Please it, be careful how you say that. I said like, life, li- what it's like, know, what said, it's like oh, inside. Right. You're going to have to ask his um, uh, proctologist for this. Okay, so, perfect. All right. Right. No, please don't go there. Okay. <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> um, well, oh, right. my God. All right, take us back the to your crazy podcast. Take us back to the day, the, the, the tour, kind of how you came that, up and well, you got on. And- yeah, so born and raised in New Orleans, uh, five-generation New Orleans guy. I grew up uh, at a semi-public private golf course called Bayou Barrier in Bell Chase, Louisiana, and I played with a group called the Pigs, Plumbing Industry Golfing Society. So it was 24 guys who were in the plumbing business. My dad had the uh, – franchise for American Standard in the South Louisiana Gulf Coast area. And so he would bring out all these plumber guys and they would go at it for $2 on the front, two on the back and a dollar total. Started out caddying for him when I was 10, 11 years old, quickly uh, realized that the cash was on the line and I wanted to gamble with them. So uh, my dad got my game good enough real quick. Around 13, they let me start gambling against them. So every Saturday morning between 6.15 a.m. and, and 7.15, uh, we would tee off. And this went on for a solid uh, five or six years. I I, um, I remember going to my first PJ Tour event in 1973. Uh, Miller Barber was fighting out Jack Nicholas at the New Orleans Classic. They got in the playoff. I was on my dad's shoulders. And and I just thought it was the coolest sport to be that close to the guys playing. I, what I, the concept I did understand at the time, nine years old, was why everybody was pulling for Jack Nicholas versus Miller Barber. And it's just ironic. My career, I, I really, truly feel like Forrest Gump in a lot of ways because I wound up getting to play against Nicholas. Um, wow. uh, I 
I got to meet Billy Casper. His last time he ever won in New Orleans was 1975. I have a picture of, of me getting an autograph from him at that tournament when I was 11 years old. I wound up meeting him on a private jet on my way to the, the King Hussein Trophy, my rookie year on the PJ Tour in 1992. Billy Casper and I both sat there and laughed for an hour on the airplane. He signed the picture for me. And then fast forward to 2007 was the 50th anniversary of his big win in New Orleans at City Park in 1957. I had my young daughter out, so I've got like two generations of pictures with Billy Casper, who many could say that, uh, you know, the, you talk about the famous three players are Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and, and Gary Player, and Billy Casper won, I think, 58 or 59 times on tour, Gosh. including, I believe, a couple of majors. I'm not sure how many majors he won, but he's up there in the, in the top 10 players of all time. Yep. So. It, it's kind of weird, you know, that was my childhood growing up. I wanted to pursue it uh, with a passion. I was a good athlete, could play all the sports. I uh, was on the smaller side, but I was very strong. Um, youngest of five, my parents were very good athletes and wound up getting scholarship offers to college in, in the SEC and ultimately chose Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, because uh, my dad was a bit surprised by it, but they had a driving range that had lights on it. <laughs> and they had a brand new apartment complex <laughs> that was 70 yards from the driving range. And I was like, he goes, well, you're not going to go there to hit golf balls. And I said, well, I'm not going anywhere else to be a doctor. So, <laughs> you know, I might as well, I think I've kind of figured out what my passion is here. And, you know, I, I figured it, it was, it was buster, you know, golf. It, I was going to make it. That was just my mindset. If I didn't make it, then I was going to be in the business in, at some level somewhere as a, as a club pro, you know, I had a lot of club pros that I idolized. I had a lot of tour players that I idolized. And I just think the game's been so good to me in so many, many ways. I pursued it for six years, played all over the world, played on the Canadian tour, had a lot of success up there. It wasn't, it didn't come easy. Um, my dad gave me $20,000 a year. He told me, uh, you can either buy a condo or you can go pursue your dream. I said, I'll take door number two. And in the third year, I was running low on cash. I'd burned through the cash in 1989. Um, he came to me right when I was getting ready to go up to the Canadian tour in May. And he goes, look, if you don't start making some money here, you're going to have to get a job. And I won two weeks later. Nice. Um, I won the Victoria Open uh, in a playoff on, on right off the B.C. coast. And it was a big moment. I, I won a whopping $12,500. <laughs> And that launched my career. I wound up making about, I don't know, sixty or seventy thousand dollars that year on the Canadian tour. Came back, bounced, bounced back on the Hogan tour the following year. Then, the following year, I wound up beating Tom Lehman um, in the last event on the Hogan tour. Um, it was the Tri Cities Open. I shot sixty-three the last day. Uh, was a course record to win by two, and then went to tour school and which was back then was the hardest thing in the world. Six days of grinded, yeah. uh, not talking to anyone, almost basically throwing up every day. Um, and you lose weight and you're just so stressed out. And I, I wound up finishing third rookie year on tour 1992. I was up for rookie of the year against Mickelson, David Thompson, Mark Carnival. Wow. Mark Carnival wound up winning. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I showed you how unbelievable Mickelson's career has been. I mean, he's still – He's still kicking their ass, and he's yep. 50 now, and he's still playing on the regular tour. So that is pretty remarkable, his his career. 
um, to, to watch it. You know, he should have won rookie of the year the year before because of technicality because he won the Tucson Open as a, I think as an amateur. Yeah. Think, or maybe not as an amateur. I can't remember. But they wouldn't give him the rookie of the year the year before. And then he didn't win in 92. And that was the year Carnival won. So it's kind of a weird thing. I just like saying it that way. It sounds like I'm important. <laughs> I finished like 104th, on, 104th on the money list. They were looking for – they had to throw four guys in there, and I was the last one available, you know. It's like, hey, who, who, who was the last guy drafted in the NFL? Oh, Kelly Gibson was, right? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, you know, I mean, look, my career wasn't what I wanted it to be. I, I had – you know, I, I signed with IMG. I was very long off the tee. I was one of the longest hitters out there. My This is an interesting stat. I share it with folks all the time. In 1992, I was the fourth longest hitter. Now, back then, they only measured two holes. It was a wooden club. It was 43 and a half inches long. Um, I had my mom had bought me this driver in 1981 for $125. I wound up making a million bucks with it. I destroyed, I exploded it my rookie year on tour. Had a guy named James Light, top 50 instructor here at Trafunca Country Club where I live. He glued it all back together my rookie year. I, I exploded at the Byron Nelson. He put it all back together, and, and I wound up being the fourth longest hitter. Take a guess, Kevin, how far I was hitting it in 1992 to be the fourth longest hitter. 286. 271. Woo, pretty good. 275.4. God, split the so difference. It was John, <laughs> John Daly was at like 280-ish, 281. Um, a guy named Don Adams was second he was like a six foot four guy out of east texas and then uh fred couples was like 278 ish and you know but you had some tour players back then like Corey pavin tom kite that were hitting it like average drive was like 230 235 that's unbelievable <laughs> i want to go back to those now. days like, hey listen i do that in 2021 hey his Christ. his ball speed is a whopping like 114 he's moving it and his you know it sounds like he's still got the head cover on the club when he makes impact yeah no but no bullshit when when we're Kelly oh, wait, are, wait, you just throw it out there and i can't defend myself go ahead that's not true. <laughs> On the first tee box, when I'm straight sober, it's about 89 your swing club, speed your with swing the driver. <laughs> then I become the wet octopus. I get the hips involved a little bit. And I will tell you on the simulator, I did get it to 105 yesterday, and I almost blew out a knee There tap. you go. <laughs> There okay, so he doesn't give me. This is the problem. Mass factor. He, he, he gets mass factor. Yeah, he has you know what he does? He, right. He calls himself like the golf teaching guru, but emotionally he destroys <laughs> his students. And so, I, I, uh, all right, continue. Well, you know that's how they make money. Brian. Oh they yeah, destroy you. Just yeah, they, they break your swing down, and it takes them two years to get it back. I think it's like going to a bar, and when you see a good-looking girl, you got to give her a little nag. You got to give her a little nag, yeah, backhanded yeah. compliment. Oh. <laughs> hey, oh. hey, hey! Listen, oh, which by the way, I think it's important we tell the listeners. Um, uh, this is the first show that we've had where you've been uh, engaged. Isn't uh, it? Or were you engaged I think last there's show? There's been a couple. I think you just forgot. Turtle, turtle, when you're listening, or if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, Toast no, but but no, but one thing that's amazing about Kelly. Back to a couple of things he said on on strong, right? You know, he okay. So I get paired with him, and and back to his long comment of how far he, he hit it or still hits it, and so he just gets up. He's got a great swing. He rotates around his axis. He's on plane, and then I get up, hit a pretty good one on the first one. I'm like, 
fuck, he's right there. Next hole, right there. And so like, and I'm, I call myself moderately longer for when I was coming up, Gary Woodland and JB Holmes were the two that were longer than me. And then now it's like every kid that comes up, if you're not sniffing 180 or north of 180 ball speed, you're, you're slow. How fast does the swing got to be to make yeah. the ball speed 180? Well, it's more I about where changes. you hit it in the middle of the face. And it's launch and spin now, I yeah. think. But, I mean, I would say you're, you got to be swinging it north of 120, 125. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, well. I can remember the my first generation on those things was, I remember Tylus did a private, they, they put us in, a, put like blindfolders on and took, took us to this remote location and, I think my first recorded speed was around 122, and now I'm a whopping 108. One, when I get juiced up, I get it to around 114. You're north. It's a little chest, a little, a little girth that I've developed around my waist. Ooh, You're sad. north of 108. Come on, you move it. He's got a great golf swing and sends but, it. I bet. I bet. Puts well, the eyeballs out of it. He does everything well. Well, listen. I mean, for for you yeah. two, if uh, I don't chip well, you don't chip well. All right, hey, so. You brought up some big names in the game and a lot of your stories, you know, on your website, um, you became friends with a lot of guys, right? I mean, you would throw out some, I mean, the, because to me, watching golf growing up, I'm a few years younger than you, right? But well, there was nothing better than putting golf on Saturday, taking a little nap, but you heard oh, the names Kalkovecchia and you heard, I mean, all the great names. I mean, so, so of all those yeah. great guys, who were some of your favorite buddies and 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 i don't care how you classify that could, that could have been the funny ones could have been the guys you had a drink with certainly you've had stories with fuzzy zeller right which we'll we'll get into these yeah. but who are the who are the cool ones back in the day oh man so back in the day you know i it took me six years i, I traveled all over the place to get out there and grant white and i we we grinded it out on the canadian tour and then then we we played against each other in college. So when we got out there, he got out there maybe a year or two before me. And he was like, you're, you're going to make it just hang in there and your break's going to come. And so when, when we got out there, he was kind of like my guy. I, I just, I loved his golf swing. He was just, he's a great guy. Even to this day, he's now teaching some tour players. I believe I kind of haven't been in touch with him lately. I had some, you know, hung around some of the guys, uh, college guys, uh, I went to Lamar University. Five of my guys made it to the tour. Nice, um, unbelievable. Trevor Dodds, a guy, a, a guy named Phil Jonas. They they got a small small look at the tour. Phil Jonas was out there for one year. A guy named J.C. Anderson was out there a couple, two, three times. A guy named John Rigger, who's now playing on the Champions Tour. Yeah. Uh, and Trevor Dodds is now playing in and out of the Champions Tour. Um, I might have been out there the longest, the extension of it. Trevor won the Greensboro Open. John's won on the Champions Tour. But so – but but as I, I was single, pretty much my whole career, I didn't get married till late. You know, I, I kind of wanted to stay focused. I was trying to player alert, player alert, lose all my money. <laughs> you know, I, 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 <laughs> you know, I hung out with Jeff Maggard. Jeff Maggard. I hung out with uh, Willie Wood, um, some of the Oklahoma State guys. Uh, you know, I, as far as favorites to ever play with, I mean, Jack Nicholas was. It was like walking with the Bible. Yeah, right. You know, I can remember. I mean, he was awesome. That that's nostalgia, and and just I got to play with him about four times. My first time ever was epic story. Um, but Ben Kernshaw couldn't have been nicer to me. Uh, Nick Price was always awesome. 
You know, they were always trying to help you. Um, I just never got there. I just, if I would have gotten one win or have, if I would have gotten my course, my, my card secured in the early part of the year, my personality would have come out and I would have played free and I wouldn't have had stress. I never secured my card for the next year until October. And the one year I secured it, I almost won like the next four weeks. I secured my card. Uh, that Las Vegas tournament, I was playing free. I had no worries. I knew where I was going to be doing the next year. I didn't have to go back to dreaded tour school. And I almost won that tournament. Then I, I was leading. The following week, I was one shot back with like six holes to go. Wound up fumbling a little bit coming down the stretch or guys pulled away. And then the next week, I was leading after one round at, at the Disney. So it was kind of weird, you know. Golf is a weird thing. A lot of people, you, they watch on television. They don't understand. They go out and they see a guy hit a bad shot. Well, he had a bad lie. And he was in between yardages. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit unfortunate. Some guys like Tiger, Tiger make everything look easy. And yeah. but I, I got to, I got to play with a lot of them. It's hard to say uh, which guys were my favorite. You know, I mean, it was Greg Norman was the stud. When I was yeah, out there yeah. for the first part of my career, Seve. I mean, how about Seve? Did you, did you play with my man Seve? You know, I used Great. to. I used to play. My very first set of clubs were Sounders because <laughs> Seve played Sounders, right? And I, while well, my golf swing was going to look like shit, it didn't matter. I was going to be the guy with the punch out, do the hooking around the pine tree, right? Maybe hit the, you know, hit the spectator seven times. I thought the Sounders were my clubs. Yeah. Who are spectating Sevy, when you watch right. golf? Sevy was, Sevy was like watching the greatest dancer of all time, right? <laughs> you know, you never knew what he was going to do, right. but you knew it was going to look beautiful. Right. And uh, I never got to play with them. I had a chance to play a practice round with them. Um, I, I was waiting on the tee. He walks up and I asked him to join and he pretended like he couldn't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, dude. You've been over here for a long time. No understand. I'm like, what the hell, dude? No so, but he he did do this for me. I was at the players' championship one year, and I was practicing in you know, like a a ping L wedge, 25 yard shot for practice green. And I was taking these divots, you know, chopping at it a little bit. Sebi walks up and he's like looking at me, and he drops down a like a bag of balls, and he goes, he goes, no, no, you you watch me, you watch me, and he hit like three in a row. No divot. Club face is coming from the inside. The loft was set at 56. It was delivered with 56. Maybe delivered it with 58. He wasn't leaning the shaft. He wasn't. Huh. He wasn't hitting down. He was just picking them right off the ground. So I kicked over the big bucket. You know they had these big buckets of balls. I emptied them all out right in front of them. I sat there. I think I was by myself. Maybe my caddy was there, and he gave me a lesson for an hour straight. I'd never hit a single shot and it was like, it was like I was in church. Wow. That is so you know? cool. And I wish, I wish I would have had video cameras and stuff like that back then. Like my cell phone, I could have documented it, but it, it was really cool. He really didn't say much. He would just, the thing Kevin, he told me was like, try to keep the club in front of your chest, control your rotation with, with your chest bone and, mm. and keep the club in there. And he was like, his hands were so soft and he was a genius. That guy was a genius around the greens. Now, I mean, off the tee, he's a madhouse. 
the ball, save his life. Listen, if he wasn't, but, he, I mean, he he wouldn't have gotten his brand of having to um, come up with crazy ass kinda, trick shots. Kind of like Mickelson, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Mickelson's yeah. Well, the stuff I love about Savvy too is like hearing Azinger and and Lanny Watkins tell tell Ryder Cup stories about Savvy. It was it's pretty awesome. Well, and it's it, it, it's kind of it's got to be cool for you uh, now. I, I'm I'm sure you go through two things. One, shit, son of a bitch. I you know I was this close. All right, so we checked that box. We we know that one exists. Yeah. But he wasn't that close. He yeah. fucking made it out there. So hey, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but listen, his standards were to win a, a, a bunch of goddamn tournaments. All right, right. Let, let's be honest. But but the but the the second thing you have to look back, and I, I wonder if if um, and I'm sure you do this. You get nostalgic, certainly after a few cocktails, and you say. Yeah. It was pretty freaking cool, right? Because the stories you have, which we're going to get to a few of them, but going back to something you said earlier, you said, you know what? It was always what I was going to do. I was either going to be a club pro. I was going to be around golf. I don't care if I was selling shirts. I was going to be around the game. And do you ever get a chance where you sit back and say, all right, shit, all right, I wish I did a little bit better. However, I've built this resume of memories that few men have. I mean, do you, can you ever give yourself a little pat on the back and say, that's a pretty freaking good life right well, there? I, I, it, no, sometimes I, I, I have to take a deep breath because I don't want to start crying. It's been that good of a yeah, ride. Yeah. And look at where I am now. I, I hope to bring you guys over to Hogshead and oh. Waterville Island. I've been like the luckiest non-winner of all time on the PGA Tour. I'm a lifetime member. I made 169 cuts. Uh, I was there for the show, like Kevin said. I got to see it up close and in person. I led the tour in, in uh, contributions to my pension plan for a few years in a row. Um, I also uh, I was the Iron Man for a few years in a row. I played like 38 weeks one year. Um, I played 36 tournaments the next year. So there was nobody out there enjoying it more than me. Awesome. Um, it just was weird that it just, I never got lucky on Sunday. I got lucky on Friday a few times, got lucky <laughs> on Thursday a few times, yeah. but it just, I never put it all together. I don't, I don't have, it keeps me up. I still have nightmares about it, but I also have great dreams about it. You know, yeah. I still have dreams. I haven't played competitively like on tour in now, uh, let's see, 14 years. And I still have dreams about it. Like, mm-hmm. Things that happen, you know, and and more positive, few nightmares every now and then. But um, man, I, I I can't take it, exchange it for anything. It's it's the people I've met, uh, the foundation that I started, what I did after Katrina, the money I raised to help New Orleans, um, the doors that have now opened, becoming minister of fun at a course in Ireland. I mean, what the hell? How do you predict that? Like I've got, I've got guys that have won twice on tour come up to me going like, why are you so happy? You know, like, I'm not always happy, but I'm doing pretty damn good. And they're going like, I heard you're doing really good. And I go, I'm doing really good. Yeah. You know, like I'm lucky. Well, we had a guy, what, what can you say? Uh, so, so Kelly, we had a guy on, I don't know, a couple of months back named Tom Coyne. It was probably a seven handicap who who traveled Ireland on foot. <laughs> I think it was maybe his third book, and um, went from course to course on foot. And then he did it in Scotland, and then he now he just he wrote finished his book in 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 uh, America, course around America, course around Ireland, course around Scotland, <clears throat> and 
the, the course, the, the friendships and memories that he created are the, his resume, right? And so we talk about golf and, and how great it is to so many of us, right? I mean, you almost tear up thinking of these memories. You got a guy who does that, who builds friendships. What the hell else would we do on Saturday or Friday afternoon, right? So despite <laughs> what, what your handicap is, what you do, you got a little bit better sniff of it than most. But the, the fun that you pulled out of it, you know, that to me, at the end of the gig, who gives a shit what's in the bank account, right? It's the friendships and the memories. Yeah. And you got a shitload of stories that we're going to get to after this commercial break. So, hey, we're having a great time. We're with Kelly Gibson. And uh, the man's got, it. listen, if you like stories about, oh, Tiger Woods, Elton John, <laughs> and a hooker down on Bourbon Street. Come on back. And a Golf Underground, ESPN Radio. <laughs> Looking for KC's best and coolest apartment experience? We have it, and it's called the Flats KC. The Flats KC is committed to providing an exemplary living experience by offering the best in-class residential communities in the most sought-after neighborhoods in Kansas City. With a focus on meticulous restoration and renovations of vintage properties, we aim to take the beauty of vintage and seamlessly unite it with modern touches. If you love urban living and are in the market for a freshly renovated apartment, The Flats Kansas City has options to fit every price range. Check us out at theflatskc.com or give us a call today at 816-454-3118. Hey, Brian Sullivan of Golf Underground with my favorite orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kevin Witte from Sano Orthopedics. Hey, Doc, golf season's over. My back is killing me. I know it's football season, so you get a lot of kids coming in, blown ACLs, all sorts of body parts with problems. And then, of course, those baseball players. I know you fix a lot of elbows. Why is Sano Orthopedics the absolute best sports medicine orthopedic group in Kansas City? Well, if you want to see the guys in town who've had the best orthopedic fellowship training in sports medicine, um, including training with Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Larry Lemack, come see us. Uh, we individualize patients' uh, plans to get them back to that activity and that sport that they love. And we actually care and listen to our patients and follow up with them and make sure that they're getting the results they need. Okay, and so the three things that separate you, number one, best training. Number two, you specialize in getting people on that field. Number three, you're actually listen. Where can I learn more? Because you got me all in and I don't really want to get fixed, but it's time. At sonoorthopedics.com, 816-525-2840. Hi, this is George Brett, Hall of Fame baseball player, and I've been playing golf for over 35 years. Hitting the ball far was never my problem, but the closer I got to the greens, that's when my problems began. When I wanted a golf practice area in my backyard, I called Celebrity Greens. They are the industry leader in custom-built synthetic golf greens. These championship-caliber, low-maintenance greens roll great, react like real bent grass, and hold chip shots that check and spin. I absolutely love mine, not only in Kansas City, but also in Arizona. Call the pros at Celebrity Greens at 1-888-507-7960 or visit them online at CelebrityGreens.com. Practice like the pros or people like me that want to be pros right in your own backyard. There you go. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, 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 welcome to the jungle, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the best concerts ever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back to the Golf Underground. <laughs> Tonight, in corner number one, Kelly Gibson. <laughs> and his opponent in corner number two, 
coming in at 173 pounds and a 34-inch waist, Kevin You might want to increase that 173 number a little bit. Hey, listen, welcome back. We're having a great show. We're, um, it's, it's, um, well, we're recording the program. It's a Thursday vodcast hour. We're having a great time. And, you know, there's some times where, you, you know, you get sort of the stiff guests, you know, the ones, well, let's say like Tom Kite. Um, and then you reach out to, to guys you'd, you'd want to hang out with. You want to yep. spend four hours golfing with and, and shoot the shit at the bar. And I think we found that guy in Kelly Gibson. Four hours? More like 12 hours when we go to Hogshead. Oh, he, if he's kind enough, he's going to hang out with us. We're going to pay him handsomely, and he's going to hang out with uh, some of our double-digit handicap members. Oh, listen, hey Kelly, I, you know I grew you don't up. have to pay. You don't have to pay me anything. Y'all come visit. Oh. I want y'all over there. Uh, listen, I'll caddy. I, I may never me. come back. I I'll just carry bags for like a month. <laughs> do they tip well over there? <laughs> there you go. Like what? What do you oh, get? Yeah. What do you get on a bag? How much am I? How much uh, am I going to make? Hundred euros. There aren't euros. About a hundred, which equates to about one hundred twenty-five a bag. And then, the, and then the tip yeah. on top is what? Because I expect nah, the best. I really expect the it. best, Kelly. They I'm going to do a good job. No, I'm going to no rake tipping the tr- policy. We have no tipping policy. Oh, all right. Ooh, okay. It depends on if you play well. If you win the bet, you know I used to make a bet with my caddy on tour, buck more. <laughs> uh, if, if I won, <laughs> great story there. Uh, whatever I won on the golf course, he would get half. That would be the tip. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's, so that's, one a thousand bucks. He got a five hundred dollar tip. That's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, um, I mean, should we talk about this fantastic course right now? Because no, we're going to talk. We want to hear you, some Buckmore stories. You have your temp- uh, Buckmore. Who's Buckmore? Your caddy, right? Buckmore, my caddy. Yeah. So I'll jump into that story, Kevin. You want to hear that one again? Yeah, I would love to. I do. That's my so favorite. Every caddy you ever have. So, Buckmore, tall African American gentleman from Augusta, Georgia caddied at Augusta for a number of years, had some Augusta caddies out on tour. I met them probably around 1994, and uh, we're playing two stories uh, that, that come to mind. Um, and I know this is uh, an R-rated show, so I can tell – I'll tell the one about uh, the BC Open in Endicott, New York. We, we're playing early on a, on a Friday round. And the golf channel is out there and they get volunteers to be spotters and, and scorekeepers. And so they have a lady from New York, Syracuse, that's following us around. And we get around to, I think it's like the uh, 14th hole. It's like a four iron par three. And there's a little bit of a crowd of maybe a whopping six people up in the stand. <laughs> and I'm up first and I'm playing with like Jadon Blake and Brian Clark, who, who's now a uh, rules official. And I, I hit first, and I ripped this foreign right at the pin. The pin was on front left, right over the side of a bunker that was had a pretty steep face bunker on it. It had a little bit of steep side on the on the back side of the bunker. And we walk up to the green, and I don't see my ball. I thought I hit it, like, maybe in, maybe, like, four or five feet, maybe ten feet at worst. And the ball's nowhere to be seen. So I, like, start running up there and, and buck a little bit behind me. I'm thinking I made a hole in one. And I walk right up to the hole, and I look in, no ball. And I go, oh, man. So I walk to the back of the green, and I start looking around back there. And the the other players had missed the green, so they're walking over to their ball. And I can't find my ball. And now I'm starting to panic because I'm on the clock now. And I'm, like, looking around, and 
and all of a sudden some guy in the, one of the six people watching the big crowd <laughs> uh, goes, go, go look on the downslope of the bunker. And I go, what? And I walk back there and my ball's like buried in the grass on the downslope of the bunker. And now I yell out, am I allowed to curse? Yes. But I yell out, I yell out, can you believe this? <laughs> Which sounded like, you know what? But I actually said the F-bomb. And I yelled out, ah, can you believe this, right? So I'm sitting there and I yell it out. And all of a sudden, the round ends and I have a rules official say, hey, what happened back there on 14? I go, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, this was after I finished playing. And, you know, and I chopped it out and I, I rolled it up to like four feet. I made par in the hole, so there was no big deal. And I'm looking at the rules official and I'm going like, what are you, what are you talking about? So now some lady came into the scores tent all upset. I mean, um, the, the the golf channel and the rules officials tent. <laughs> I'm going like, ah. and I'm going like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I just kind of walked off. And then all of a sudden, my dad calls, like, tournament ends on Sunday. My dad gives me a call, like, the next week and goes, hey, I got, like, a, a letter from the PJ Tour um, disciplinary inquiry statement. And I'm going like, oh, yeah? So, well, you ought to open that one up and read it. He opens it up, and the lady had gone in and filed a complaint that I yelled the F-bomb so loud that it rattled her and ruined her day. <laughs> and it was inappropriate behavior. Karen. And I sat there, and so it said at the bottom of the thing, if you wanted to appeal it, you had to call a guy named Henry Hughes, who was the number two deputy commissioner on the tour at the time in, in charge of disciplinary inquiries. So John Daly was probably having a field day that year. He probably had like $30,000 in fines. This was my first fine ever, 1000 bucks. I'm like, man, I was leading the Monday tour, uh, the Monday program. I was the leading money winner on that portion of the PJ tour. I was not the leading money winner anywhere else. So $1,000 was a lot of money to me. And so I call up the PJ tour and I go, look, how do I appeal this? This is, I, <laughs> you know, I, did, I didn't curse. And they go, well, you got to get a hold of Henry. So Henry gets on the phone. And he goes, Kelly, the way this works is if she wrote you up, you're, you're guilty. And I go, well, how? I mean, like, it says I can appeal. I said, well, tell me, you know, it says here that I yelled out, can you believe this? And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't say that. I don't ever use that word. Denied. And he goes, like, he goes, well, he goes, well, what are you going to say that you said? And I said, well, look, my caddy is fucked more. <laughs> Nice. And I said, so you tell me, and I'm making this up on the phone as I'm talking to him. And I said, you tell me if you're 15 yards or 20 yards away, and I yell out, Buck, can you believe this? <laughs> what might that sound like to you? Oh. And the guy just went really quiet, and I heard him start to giggle. And he goes, say it again. And I went, Buck, can you believe this? <laughs> and I went, Buck, can you believe this? And he started laughing like Kevin's laughing. And he goes, you know what? He goes, hold on just a second. I could hear him open the door. And he's like waving guys in. He goes, okay, Kelly, say it one more time. What did you say just so I can understand it? And I said, look, my ball was buried on the downslope of the bunker. And I looked right at my caddy and I went, fuck, can you believe this? <laughs> and he starts laughing. He goes, you're going to be the first guy in like, 10 years that I'm ever going to let go. He goes, that's the best excuse ever. You, uh, you Amazing. Had, uh, I mean, you were like, he, you were like Johnny Cochran. 
You're like Johnny Cochran right there. How'd you do this? It was like, hey, if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit, right, baby? <laughs> Should have been a freaking attorney. <laughs> Jesus. So, so here he goes. He erases it. And I, from that day on, Buck worked for me for probably two more years. But if I had like a friend like Kevin come out and caddy for me, I said, look, Kevin, as soon as we tee off, your, your is- caddy name's Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case Buck. we have a little incident on the course, if I yell out Buck, that's your name. Amazing. So um, fast forward. So this happens around 94, 95. So here we are 15 years later, COVID, um, to entertain my friends in, in the world that I'm in now, when COVID started, I, I, I put out a post on Facebook and I said, name a color, a person, or a city, and I'll write a story each day. Well, the response I got was like 80 people within the first hour started just tell the Buck Moore story. So that one came out. So I wrote stories for about, I don't know, 40 or 50 days in a row, and I posted them every day around 4 o'clock, and it, it got to be really fun, kind of like what you guys are doing. Um, but... Some, some days it was taking me like three hours to write a two-paragraph story <laughs> because of my <laughs> typing skills. But um, but I told that story, and then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from the PJ Tours media department. I go, oh, shit, here we go again. I'm technically still a member of the tour. I'm still a member of the Champions Tour. Now I'm, you know, I'm conduct unbecoming. And the lady starts laughing, or is it the head of the media department for the PJ Tour? And he goes, look, he goes, you had everybody is following your stories online and they were in tears laughing over this story. And he goes, do you, do you have a book deal? And this is this year. They're asking me, do you have a book deal? And I go, Oh, I was going to ask, I was going to ask that reading all your stories. I was going to ask, when are you writing a damn book? Well, they, no, and I go like, I wouldn't know how to write a book. I can barely type my name. This guy's done two books right here. Well, so, so they, Every drunk so they, can do all it. Of a sudden, they contact Henry Hughes to verify the story, and he goes on the story and clicks and goes, "All truth, one hundred percent truth." So he validated that that bullshit story, and it was it was just, you know, it's just a moment. Um, Buckmore was just a fantastic gentleman. I never got him in the winner's circle. He was on the bag when when I delivered Tiger Woods to the world. Um, he has another great story. Uh, we're playing, I was playing the final round at the LA open. We're coming up the 18th hole. Um, I can tell these two stories real quick. We're, we're, we're not we're in any playing. hurry. I'm, I'm going to start. I'm sitting I'm back. I got a cocktail. I'm fine. So I'm, I'm in the final, uh, two, two groups at, at the LA open. I'm playing with Fred couples and Steve Elkinson, 1995. I think it was. We, we go to the second hole. I think we might have all buried the first hole. We go to the second hole, and I, I hit it stuck on five yards past Couples and maybe ten yards past Elkington. So Elkington hits first, Couples next. Second hole is real hard, par four up the hill. And as soon as Freddie hit, I mean, he had all the women in the crowd. He had the biggest crowd. Everybody loved him. It was John Daly, Freddie, and Greg Norman. That was the crowd pleasers back then. As soon as they hit, at LA Open, everybody's on top of you. Well, they start leaving. And I'm sitting there going like, damn it, Buck, you got to keep everybody still, man. Because I, I send my five iron and he, I said, you got, well, before I hit my five iron, I said, you got to keep everything. So he's yelling, stand still, please. Well, nobody's listening. Because they don't even know that my name's on the bag, right? They don't even know who I am. 
And I'm going like, you got to keep them still. And so he's yelling, nobody's listening. So I hit the shot and they've got security all over us. And it was like un- unmarked police officers and stuff like this. Well, I thin a five iron about five yards short of the green. I turn around, I walk straight to the security guy and I go, look, I'm trying to win this tournament. Just like these two guys, I haven't won out here. I need a little help today. Some of you guys are going to have to help me. They've already won. They've won majors. I need some help. So when I'm hitting, I need everyone to stay still because I'm not used to this. And I, and I walk off and Buck's already in my ear going like, you need to settle down. This is the second hole. And I'm going, well, yeah, I need help here. You know, I was freaking out because I, I'm not going to be able to play with people moving all over the place. So I turn around and go apologize to, to this police officer who wound up being an undercover L.A. police detective. And I look at him. I said, look, I'm sorry. And we're walking up to the green. I said, I'm sorry. I lost my temper there. And he goes, man, don't worry about it. He goes, you're the first pro to talk to me in two years. He goes, you're not going to have a problem the rest of the day. So every time I would hit the rest of the day, he was yelling out, stand still, please. And I mean, he had everybody freezing. And this guy's got his arm around me like half the time going like, come on, bro, you're in there. And I was, I was literally two shots back with about seven holes to go. And I wound up making two bogeys. And one of them was on the par three. We get to the last hole of the day. And... Craig Staller had birdied like 17 or 18. He's in the front of us, and I'm two shots back, and I hit a big drive up the 18th hole, and I'm in between seven and eight iron. And Elkington hit first, Couples hits again, and you remember those big circular dishes things you see at the NFL football on the sidelines, like the satellite hearing piece? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sitting there, and Buck is to my right, and I'm choking because if I make the shot, I'm in a playoff. Okay. Now, when you've never won, you're you're, you're hanging your head on that low percentage Robert Gomez at hole out from the fairway. I'm trying, but I know if I make birdie, I'm going to make like a hundred grand. If I make par, I'm going to make like forty or fifty thousand. So it's a big moment for me. And I look at Buck, and and he puts his head down. He knows I'm I'm can't breathe. And I go, Buck, what do you like? And I had my hand on the seven and the eight iron. And he didn't answer, and I go, Buck, you got to tell me what you like. And he goes, I like you hitting the best mother shot of your life. That's what I like. <laughs> and you could see the guy with the radar turn around, and he no. turns around and starts walking backwards like this. And he's looking over his shoulder, and the guy's got tears coming out of his eyes. He's laughing so hard. Now I can't breathe because I'm laughing. And Buck <laughs> goes, did you hear me? And he's looking at me, and he goes, hit the best mother shot of your life that's what i like and so i grabbed the eight iron and i mean i hit it maybe five feet in the air sculled it right up the hill about 20 yards short of the green and i i couldn't i just couldn't believe the moment i mean he totally got in me i was laughing and here's one of the biggest moments in my career and i'm sitting there laughing going like i can't believe you just did that we're on national television <laughs> and you're you're dropping mf bomb not just the f bomb the mf bomb so <laughs> I chip it up and I make like a 10 footer couples comes down and goes, what are you laughing at? Like, what are you doing? And he's telling me, and I tell him the story. Well, a couple starts laughing. He's like bent over laughing. I'm laughing and Buck's just over there shaking his head going like, there's something wrong with this guy. And I'm going wrong with me. You're the one back there making clown remarks, right? <laughs> so the following week I find one of the production guys for CBS and I go, Hey, did y'all catch all that last week? And the guy goes, Oh, we caught it. He goes, about three hands had to hit the delay button 
they were in tears. They, they were all hitting the delay button going like, oh, my God, nice. it's instant classic stuff. And, but I never got the video of it. But they hit the seven-second delay where, you know, they, they, they bleep out the MF. And I'm sorry I'm now cursing on your hey, podcast. Hey, hey where, where, <laughs> was, we where was the production crew for Justin Thomas? Oh, man, that was no good. I'm not going there. Uh, I, feel, I, feel, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, look, back then, you know, I mean, the guy gets caught with a micro, live hot microphone from 30 yards away. I've just told you two stories where, you know, imagine that, right? Um, it, it's just it's the world we're in right now. I feel I feel bad for him. It's unfortunate what he said. and yeah, you know, listen, he, so he learned the lesson, unfortunately. Well, and, he, he, listen, and, but, and he's 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 going to have to put on the uh, dare dare I be politically incorrect, but you know now he's got to go through the sensitivity training and e learning, and he's got to do the virtual lessons. And come on, hey, by the way, he didn't insult yeah. anybody; insulted himself, right? And I don't know. Um, he's he's one of the good guys on tour. I like him. You know, yeah, so, I, I haven't. I like his game. I don't know him too well. It's unfortunate, you know. I mean, in the world we live in today, it's just not. It's a, yeah, let's not torture. It's a big him. bar when it comes to that stuff, and and I, I, I look, he ain't gonna be the last one that gets in trouble. You can bank on that. I mean, there've been guys before him now. It's just a different world with the cameras and yeah. cell phones and microphones, and you know. Back when I was playing, the older pros would tell me stories about stuff they were doing in the seventies oh, yeah. and eighties that was kind of out of out of character. Or, or well, that's before we know, went on air. Before we went on air, I said, "How do you think Fuzzy Zeller would do in this in this environment?" Ooh. Holy crap! <laughs> How many letters do you think he'd get? He, he wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't be as Johnny Cochran like as you. He probably yeah, would have spent you know, a few you, bucks. You, well, our uh, you, you uh, well, they, I think there were quite a few guys that spent a few bucks over the years. I mean. That they don't, they don't. That's one cool thing about the tour is they keep they keep their business in house, right? So the tour is not going to comment on whether uh, Justin Thomas got fined for that. I, I imagine he got a letter, um, but man, the, the tour needs to do a better job of not putting hot mics on guys. Yeah, you know they they're going to be scared to to have a conversation. They're going to be walking zombies out there. I mean, you know. People say things they regret, and unfortunately, he's in a bad spot right now. There's a lot of hot noise around it because the media loves to pummel somebody. Totally. Once they make a mistake like that, they're going to make this guy out to be some kind of monster, and yeah. he's probably not. I don't know him. Yeah. Well, our resident, really I feel bad for our resident co-host, uh, George Brett, who we did not have on the show tonight <laughs> because we wanted you to get a word in. Um, he says if he would have played in this era that he'd be currently in jail. So yeah. <laughs> dead ass broken yeah. in jail is what he says. So, <laughs> so luckily he played awesome in the eighties and nineties. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah we, I got to meet him at the Floridian a few times. He's a great guy. He is a, he is an absolute beauty. Well, let's take a commercial break. When we come back, everybody wants to hear the freaking tiger stories, right? That's what no, everybody, no, all the no. geeks. Listen, the tiger stories, everybody, tiger, everyone's got a goddamn tiger story. The story I want, and by the way, I, how do you, do, do this for me, Kelly. Give me a little me, 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 me. How's your, vo how's your vocals? Me, 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 me. Okay, me. that's good. Uh, well, uh, all right, so we're going to prepare after the commercial break for you to sing Benny and the Jets, <laughs> Benny and the Jets, and Rocket Man. 
Okay? And if we're lucky, we'll get a little bonus tiny dancer in there in the meantime. All right. Hey, we're I'll Kelly. My wife, I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring a, my wife in. She can verify this story. All right. Yes. It's, it's Elizabeth. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. God, he's a creeper. All right. Get Elizabeth in here. Come on. We're going to sing Benny in the Jets. We're Kelly Gibson. Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Cowell Insurance Services is your leading program administrator for workers' compensation. They're dedicated to meeting the unique challenges of the insurance industry and assisting employers in reducing their costs. CIS has provided insurance claim and loss control services to various industries, including trucking, construction, retail convenience stores, and healthcare, as well as public entities for over 30 years. They work with both retail agents and industry clients, or a combination of the two. If you're tired of fighting the rising costs of premiums and claims, give Cowell Insurance Services a call. Their dedicated staff is ready to find you the best insurance option at the most competitive price. They can help to define or enhance your safety program in order to move you in the right direction in reducing your claim and premium costs. Contact Cowell Insurance Services today, 816-214-4070. Hey, Brian Sullivan here, and I've got a tip for you. You've got to head to Unforked. It's an amazing restaurant. What I like about these guys is they promise to buy and support seasonal local ingredients first. And I love the fact that they source from smaller, family, GAP-certified, or organic farms, prime-going regions, artisan producers. All I'm getting at is, if you like fresh stuff, Unforked is the place to be. And like they say, fork or no fork, you can be sure you're getting the highest quality, socially responsible ingredients possible. And not to mention, it's delicious. So whether you're out south or downtown, stop by Unforked for a delicious and healthy meal. Sheridan's Unforked. Honest, clean food. ESPN Radio, we're having a great time. Kelly Gibson and friends. <laughs> and friends. Kelly Gibson and friends. <laughs> Benny. 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 All right, listen. Hey, before the break, we were talking a little bit about... Uh, Jesus. He, like, he, uh, he loves it. I love this no guy. No wonder why uh, uh, Elton John started howling like a wolf when he came out. All right. So... so so we have a great story, by the way, who's joined us here on the, um, for those of you who are listening through the on podcast, the you can see we, we're seeing the, the faces of the family, the Gibson family right here. And Elizabeth Gibson, the better half, has just joined the Golf Underground. And so, uh, Elizabeth, um, say hello to the Golf Underground uh, folks out there. I need to know. All right. Now, listen, because you're going to be a very important part of the segment. So we need to, you, you got to talk loud because I want your side of it. Okay, so uh, Kelly, why don't you start it at the, the time you met Elton John in England when there was no chance of you meeting Elton John? It was actually in, in Italy. Oh, it was Italy. It was in Italy, you got to have a cocktail. You're going to be on the show. Come on, grab a cocktail. a cocktail. Well, i got to not burn the dinner, too. The dinner burn? <laughs> don't burn the dinner. Just turn, turn it down. Where? Turn off the Simmer stove. Simmer it down. i got to turn it down. Turn, go, go turn, turn your stove down, off. Bring, your, bring a cocktail get back. Get yourself a Prosecco and come so, on back. I'll get I'll get the story going. and She can hear me all the way in the kitchen. My voice is loud. So we got married for 20th, uh, 2000, and we decided to go to uh, for our honeymoon, and we didn't run. Few days and 
been way to Venice. And on the last night in Venice, um, we were staying at the Hotel Cipriani, which was a really nice hotel off the main canal there in Venice on an island. And as my wife was getting dressed, I went out to the back to catch the sunset, and there was a building next to our hotel that had a Chihuly chandelier in there. And me being the cultured person that I am, of course, knew what a Chihuly chandelier was. And I saw Andy Warhol picture. So fast forward into the lobby, we're waiting for our private boat to take us to our last dinner in Venice. And we had this reservation at the hotel Denali, uh, which was, as we found out, a tourist kind of destination. So I'm telling the GM of the, of the hotel, I said, Hey, and I showed him a picture. I said, what museum is this next to the hotel? And he kind of looks at me with a real stark look and he says, excuse me, sir, that is Sir Elton John's house. And here I am zooming into Sir Elton John's room and I'm taking pictures of his Chihuly and his Andy Warhol picture. And then the guy kind of looks at me and my wife and I start laughing and we're sitting there and we're going like, wow. That's now my husband's a stalker. Yeah, now I'm a stalker, right? <laughs> and Definite stalker. So the guy goes, uh, where are you going to dinner? The GM of the hotel. And I go, well, we're going to hotel, the restaurant Denali. And he goes, he goes, no, 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 no. You need to go to restaurant Evo. And so I go, oh, where's restaurant Evo? He goes, it's a good place. You might even see Sir Elton John there. And he kind of gives me the wink, wink. Yeah, there you go. So, I go, sign us up, Restaurant Evo, IVO. So we get off the boat on the main canal, island, whatever they call it, and we start trying to hunt down this restaurant, and we can't find it. And I'm going, this is BS. We're getting ready to get robbed. You know, I'm from New Orleans. I'm going, like, this is a setup. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're gonna we're going to go around one of these turns, and they're going to take my wallet and the watches, and we're done, right? Well, all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, Restaurant Evo. Now, we walked through the door, and it had maybe, what, 20 seats? If that, yeah. Maybe 15, 12, 20 seats. The restaurant was about as big as my room here. And we sit down, and, of course, this Evo guy comes out, and he goes, oh, welcome, you're from America. And he's, like, being really nice to us. And I'm I'm sitting there going, like, this is the biggest bullshit deal I've ever seen. We just got set up. I can't believe I fell for this, right? Like, I think I'm a pretty streetwise guy. And, and – I'm sitting there looking at her. I said, I'll kiss your ass if Elton John's ever stepped foot in this place. Ever. Ever. (laughs) Five minutes later, we're into our first bottle of wine. Food's coming out. All of a sudden, here comes Evo. He opens up two side doors. And the first person up out of the doors, Elton John. How good is that? Elizabeth, Elizabeth, take it from here. Take it from here. And so they walk through the door. Well, so let me, Sir let me, Elton John. Let me set her up. Oh, I set her up. Let me set her up. She choreographed 11 Super Bowls. So my wife worked with Whitney Houston. Wow. All these, like, famous celebrities. She always did the pregame show, the National Anthem. She was their choreographer. So she's been in that world for a long time. That's awesome. And as soon as Elton walks up, I go like, oh, and she looks right at me. She goes, fuck her up. You're going to kiss my ass right in front of him. (laughs) There we go. I'll let you tell him. You tell him what happened now. So from there, you know, we were actually close to the end of our meal. And Kelly's like, well, we ain't leaving now. 
So, <laughs> second bottle of wine, let's go. We because we got to watch the show because Elton was seated literally right behind my chair. He had his arm on her shoulder. Oh, my God. Pre-COVID. <laughs> his chair was right against the back of my chair. So, I'm facing Kelly. Kelly, of course, is facing Elton John's back of his head. And he had a big canary diamond on yeah. his pinky finger, which was like hanging on the side of his chair. <laughs> We're like, talking about, you know, Whitney like Houston big. and George Michael. Not Whitney Houston. Um, Britney Spears and George Michael. And so, you know, we're like just getting Mike, more intoxicated Michael, as we go. Michael Jackson. They were giving, we could hear all the inside scoop on Michael Jackson, Britney, and, and uh, well, Alexa. I was because of my timer in the kitchen because you're long-winded and you keep yeah. talking. Well, I'm going to talk for two more hours. <laughs> they didn't know this would be the longest <laughs> podcast in history. <laughs> which, which, by the way, so, by the way, by the way, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, you know, coming from that world where you got to be around some pretty fancy singers, you wouldn't think Elton John would have to be throwing out big names like that. I would think people at a dinner would not talk about I the think, stuff that I we think, think they just, talk about. I think he was just gossiping. He was gossiping. He had his hus- his husband and his agent with him. Yeah, it was his agent, his manager actually. Staying at our hotel. That's what we found out the next morning. That's how they knew where they were going to dinner um, because she was staying at the same hotel as we were. But um, so yeah, so we we're eavesdropping on the conversation. Now we're two bottles of wine in, and this was just getting geared up, of course. You know. Oh yeah, I was feeling it. At and this point. At, at this point, <laughs> he starts. He starts sitting there. And he's looking at me. And he's like, "Sing it again." What did it sound like? <laughs> and I'm just like, I just put my head down. I'm like, you're that guy. And he was. And then he follows it up. Read America. He follows it up with. Burning up the field. <laughs> Did you ask? Hey, by the way, I wish you should have tapped him, Elizabeth. You should have tapped him on the shoulder and said, "What were the real words when you go burning up in heaven?" Did you ask him? Did you? Did you ask him what the real words were? His his shoulders. I just remember I was in tears laughing because I went. <laughs> and then I went, and, and you can see his shoulders now. <laughs> Ugly I American. I, I can't whisper anywhere. His shoulders were going like this, and I could see the other people at the table looking yeah, at me, and I'm sitting there smiling. So she's like dying, going like, please stop. And I go, no chance. I said, so I'm sitting there going, rocking man. I remember, you know, like I'm oh sitting trying, trying to, I don't know words. And so I think restaurant Evo came over and said, dinner's on me, please leave. And so we get up and leave, and now we're outside laughing so hard. And, and he won't leave, because he's like, I'm not leaving until he gets why, up. Why would so you? We, he's, we he was to, already committed. We wanted to see what kind of security he had. He was all in. So we go up and hang out on this bridge outside the, the, the restaurant, and here he comes out the side door, and he's got a private boat and, like, a, a security, you know, paparazzi thing following him. And he looks right up at us. He howls. <laughs> he starts, and I can see Kelly Gibson that said, you deserve that. Wait, wait, wait. I, I was curious. Like All right. Dog. But I'm curious because when I read that he came out and howled, <laughs> what, what, I, don't, I don't understand that. Was he mocking you? <laughs> I, we Probably. We couldn't figure crazy. it out. I think he was drinking too. At any but point, did you, going, at any point, Elizabeth, did you think there was a chance that Kelly was going to tackle Sir Elton John into the room, um, to the canal. 
<laughs> she wouldn't let me. No, no. She wouldn't let I, me. I asked. I asked her if if I if I could take a you know. I said, "Can't we get a picture with them? It's our honeymoon." She said, "No way." She wouldn't let me. Do even there's only been a few people that I've worked with at the Super Bowls that I've taken pictures with. Yeah, I took a picture with Sting and Elton John and Tina Turner, and but there's just oh, you I got never, a picture with them, but I don't get. I never asked. Which, by the way, Kelly, Kelly. If there's a photographer there, and the photographer says, hey, y'all get together, take a picture, I'll take a picture, but I never, and I was very adamant about that, so when he was just like, come on up to you. Do you, do you realize, uh, Elizabeth, do you realize Anthony Crawford. There, there, was still time for an, there was still time for an annulment at this point, <laughs> and you chose to stay with him, and... Um, that means who's you, that? You, Cindy Crawford. Yeah, it makes you, you wonder about me. That's yeah, it. you two obviously here. drink too yeah. much wine. <laughs> yeah, He's no, the, we don't drink that often. We uh, don't drink that. Yeah, we, don't, we don't drink any more. It was, it's only Thursday. We don't drink any less. Yes. All right, hey, listen. We, all right, so all right, we got to take one more commercial break. We'll come back. We'll, hey, Elizabeth, you're the best. You're the best. We got to see the beautiful half of this handsome man. You're. you're you're lucky. You're a lucky woman too. I will tell you that. <laughs> I am. What's up with me? <laughs> All right, we're taking Eli's commercial. Well. Hey, <laughs> when we come back, let's do the uh, let's do a quick tiger story, you rapid fire, and then we'll, no, we want to talk about. We got to talk about the golf course. We're going to talk about the golf course too, yeah. but we got to get our sponsors, or else we're not going to be able to afford yeah. to go to the golf course. All right? How good is that? All right, a little Ke- smoke hammer. I Ooh, love it. Look at that, Kelly Gibson, golf underground ESPN Radio. Hey, Brian Sullivan, Golf Underground, with a little tip for you. If you're looking to buy a new Ford, you have to check out my buddy, Jason Gudenkoff at Lewisburg Ford. They've been saving Midwest Ford buyers thousands of bucks for over 40 years because they do business the right way. They sell everything. Check this out for $50 over invoice. That's simple and cheap. And they win a lot of awards. In fact, they won Ford's President's Award 17 times. That's the top Ford Award. And they only give it to dealers with superior customer satisfaction in sales and service. So they know how to take care of customers better than anybody. Now, what these guys know how to do also, keep this in mind, sell trucks. Lewisburg Ford has sold more F-150s than any other Ford dealership in greater Kansas City. That's two years running. And last year, they were the number one F-150 sales leader in the entire state of Kansas. So, no hassle. $50 over invoice pricing, unparalleled customer satisfaction, and a huge selection. That's a perfect recipe for selling trucks. So, check out all their inventory and prices online at lewisburgford.com. Or give them a call at 816-444-2300. New golf clubs. A big screen TV to watch the U.S. Open? Or maybe even a new golf cart that I've got my eye on. No matter how you choose to spend the savings, if you're looking to put a dent in your monthly heating and cooling bills, the answer may be right over your head. If your attic isn't insulated properly, you're missing out on a prime opportunity to cut costs. Call the certified energy experts at Star Companies, Inc., 816-353-2160 for a free estimate to learn how they can help you save money. 816-353-2160 or visit StarCompaniesKC.com. Do you have retirement dreams about perfecting your swing and spending your time on the green? Or maybe you have a bucket list of golf courses you'd like to travel to. Whatever your financial goals are, Mariner Wealth Advisors is your advocate. We take the same care in understanding where you stand today as we do in understanding where you want to be in the future. Then we help you set a personalized plan to help you achieve your long-term vision. Contact Mariner Wealth Advisors today to start your financial planning journey. 
Visit MarinerWealthAdvisors.com to find a location near you. Mariner Wealth Advisors, otherwise known as MWA, is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. For additional information about MWA, including fees and services, please contact MWA or refer to the disclosures on our website. Please read the disclosure statement carefully before you invest or send money. This advertisement should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities. Oh, <laughs> Uh, Here's the problem. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Gibson? Hi, I'm Jim Nance, and welcome to the Masters, a tradition unlike any other. That's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, For so the like, next hour, we will not have a commercial break. The Masters is presented by Cadillac, Rolex. Keeping. I who else no, that's good. Cadill- and Cadillac. <laughs> Rolls Royce, American Express. Oh, and Tito's. And Tito's. On ice. Brought to you by Tito's. We have this Sonic Ice here at the stable. It's fucking amazing. Oh man, it must be nice to be a a top teacher. That's right. Hey, hey, listen. Welcome back. Welcome back after a nice short commercial break. We're all refreshed. Now here's here's my concern, Kelly. He's been playing the master song a little a little bit too much. It's kind of like listening to um, Bing Crosby's "White Christmas" too early on in the Christmas season. <laughs> you, you, you know you know how that would because then it's the, but, never it's, it's hey I'm from the south. It's never too early for Augusta National. I, I National. know, but I'm afraid he's going to ruin it because I I tear up Masters Week. It's everyone's favorite week, and if oh. I've heard it, if I've heard it a hundred times, I'm afraid it's going to I'm going to be numb to it. He's I don't want him to ruin that oh, for me. Oh no, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's good. You know, for me, it, it was rained by my career. I, I uh, it's one of those things I really regret that I didn't get to accomplish in life. Uh, it, as a Southerner kid growing up in New Orleans. That was the dream. Um, I was at, actually, I played five U.S. Open, a PGA, played three U.S. Amateurs, and my dream was really to get in the, the, to the Masters. And I came up probably six times, twice in the U.S. Open. Back when I played, you, if you finished in the top 16 at the U.S. Open, you would get in the Masters the next year. And I had a chance at it twice, going into Sunday, once at uh, Oakland Hills, and once at Congressional, and I just came up with a pair of 75s, I think 75, maybe a 76. Oh, look at the dog go. But, um, yeah. <laughs> right so on cue. It, it was like, yeah, the, the dog's barking the at dog me. The dog took like, a yeah. shit right when you but, said 75. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, hey, can you shut the door? The dog's barking. Story of my life. I was just getting all teary-eyed there for a second, right? Uh, uh, so, uh, so the uh, the Masters it's a it's a bucket list thing, man. If you haven't been, the practice rounds are are really cool. The crowds are magnificent. The roars are loud. I can't imagine what it's like to play in that tournament. All right, listen. Speaking of great golf courses, and I do want to take it here, and you can't redirect me. So you're involved with an amazing golf course out in Waterville, Ireland, which is. You know, I'm a Sullivan. I'm a County Kerry boy, which, by the way, um, Waterville would, would be Kerry, right? And the Ring of Kerry. Yeah. And, of course, Payne yeah. Stewart's got his nice little trophy right down the road from a great golf course you're involved in. Tell us about this this unbelievable yeah. Pebble Beach slash Old Head slash pick the most beautiful golf course you've ever seen. Tell us about this course that you're involved in. 
so 2014, I met a gentleman named Brian Marcel through my foundation work here in New Orleans. After Katrina, I started the foundation using PJ Tour catering trucks. I wound up feeding 50,000 first responders in the two-month period after Katrina made landfall. I raised about a million dollars. Tiger Woods sent like eight pallets of clothing, $10,000. DJ Singh sent the $40,000 check. Phil Mickelson sent in his winnings from the, the, the New Orleans Classic. At the time, it was called the, the Freeport McMoran Classic. He sent the check for like $96,000. I raised all this money. Uh, David Thompson, 50000 Doug Barron, 12000 All these pros contributed. And I was using PJ Tour catering trucks. We fed all these people. And I met some guys from a company called Alvarez and Marcel along the way. Um, I really befriended them. They were sort of a little bit of a guiding light. They had come in to restructure the school district uh, after Katrina in the New Orleans market. And they're a global consulting firm. And they kept telling me for years I needed to meet their chairman, who was a, a golf fanatic, a golf fan, a golf player, you know. And so uh, around 2014, I finally got to meet this guy named Brian Marcel, who, as I researched him, was the CEO who uh, – took over for Lehman Brothers during the financial crisis in 2008 um, during the largest bankruptcy in the world, which was Lehman Brothers at the time. You remember during the financial crisis? Well, Brian was the guy that came in and saved the day. So he's a really big figure um, in Wall Street and his partner in in the financial world, I should say, in the global consulting world, they're in the restructuring business. um, And his partner is a guy named Tony Alvarez. Well, they would go to Ireland every year on a, like a guy's trip, and they had found out about this property in Waterville. There was an existing golf course that had got stuck during the financial crisis of Ireland, and it never really got out the gate. And it's about two miles away from Waterville Golf Links, which is really one of the top ten links courses that, that I've ever played on. It's really an amazing track, yep. and it's in Waterville, Ireland, which is the southwest corridor. Um, about two hours and 20 minutes from Shannon Airport by car ride, about 35, 40 minutes by helicopter ride. Um, it's near the Kerry Airport. Um, if you're flying in from London, you go to the Kerry Airport. So um, on April 1st, 2016, um, through a series of events, I brought Brian down from Mardi Gras. Um, he was laughing. We got in the cab. I remember the cab driver was busting my ass because I wasn't playing the senior tour or the champions tour. And he's like, he goes, you know, the cab driver. And I go, well, I'm the only tour player in New Orleans. Everybody knows who I am. Brian rode with me on a Mardi Gras float. He, you know, you put on a mask. Nobody knows who you are. So nobody, we sit there and you throw stuff at people for four hours. You feel like a rock star. Everybody was having a good time. He, he was around me. I invited him down to the Floridian for the member guests and two guys, very wealthy guys were kind of busting my ass as we were walking in the clubhouse. And he goes, how do you know those two guys? And I go, I don't know. I'm, I just have a cocktail with them after the round. And, and he goes, those guys are like billionaires. He goes, what do you mean? You don't know them. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know what they do for a living. He goes, you're coming to work for me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I don't have a single guy in my firm they catch a shit like that from a guy and you don't even know what they do. You're coming to work like you, me. Wardo. <laughs> no. So, so we played the next two days and we had a lot of belly laughs and we played uh, not too bad. I mean, we took on some really good competition. We played against some pros. 
Um, it was a member guest tournament. We drew the championship flight and, and we did all right. We beat a couple of guys. We, we didn't get to the final shootout or anything like that. And he, the last day there, he goes, I really want you to come work for me. And he goes, I'm going to build this golf course in Waterville. And I had helped build the Floridian for Jim Crane and Dallas Kibbe back in 2009, 2010. I was sort of the project manager for Jim Crane and the owner of the Floridian. And Brian says, I want you to do the same thing for me that you did for Jim Crane here at the Floridian. And, and, and he goes, and I said, well, you know, I'm sitting here thinking past that initial offer. And I go like, well, when we get the course open, you know, what, what is my role going to be? And he goes, I'm going to make you director of fun. <laughs> you win. And so fast forward, I started on April 1st, 2016 was my first day on the job. I, I flew up to New York in, and he's interviewing me in the office, and it was like a scene out of Goodwill Hunting where, you know, I'm, I'm negotiating with some high-powered people, and, and they're going like, well, you know, what are you thinking? And I said, you know, I was thinking, hey, if you just put me on an airplane, I'm there, right? There's no negotiating hey. here. I wasn't showing my cards, but I was like, I'm already <laughs> taking this job. And he goes, well, you haven't said anything in 45 minutes. I said, well, my dad always told me when you got a good thing, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> don't, don't negotiate your way out of it. So, um so he allowed me to bring over Matt Janella from the Golf Channel to do a story on on what we were trying to accomplish with Hogshead. And during a three-day shoot with Matt Janella, um, on the third day, Matt went to try to introduce me as the director of fun, and he screwed it up and called me the minister of fun. <laughs> and I didn't flinch. I didn't correct no. him. And he goes, he goes, and what and he was talking to our GM, and he goes, "Now, what kind of club would hire a minister of fun?" And they started busting my chops on television, and I'm just like walking around like I'm royalty. On the, you know, I'm I'm sitting there walking on the on the fairway, going like I'm now a minister of fun. So the beauty is, they ran this piece on the Golf Channel, and they ran it like four times, and the people in New York were loving it, and it caught all this attraction. So all my bosses, friends, Brian's friends, were calling him, going like. Who's this minister of fun guy? I want to meet him. <laughs> That's awesome. You really, you really like outdone yourself. You hired a minister of fun. Like who does that? <laughs> and Brian's like, wait till you meet this clown. He actually is a good time. So, so the beauty is now when I walk into the village of Waterville, Brian, like you've been there. Um, I'm walking in there one day to go get a haircut, and this elderly gentleman walks out, about seventy-five years old, and he kind of just looked up and he goes. Minister, how you doing? And I said, "Oh, please carry on, sir." Oh, I gave him God. the the roll away. Oh, I guess, and, and like, <laughs> of like, course, I'm the minister, so I get to walk around like I'm some kind of Sir Kelly Gibson. You know, so, <laughs> it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. All right, so is this place crushing so, it? If certainly with COVID, it's not. It, but pre-COVID, well, I mean, year, because I'm telling you, it, you sent us it. you sent us pictures today, and first of all, I didn't know it. It was Waterville. I clicked on these pictures. I'm like, this is like, this is like fake. Yeah. It was, it was that beautiful. No, it, it ain't. It's, it's a Robert Trent Jones Jr. golf course. It's on one of the most majestic pieces of land I've ever stepped foot on. It has the Salmon River running up the front nine. So there's nine holes on the front nine river. It's a, it's the Salmon River that goes up into the mountains. And then on the back nine, they have nine holes that go along the ocean. And and I'm not kidding you, when when these guys do things, they do it right, Brian and Tony. Um, this is the greatest gift I could ever imagine wow. having 
as a second career, if you will. Oh yeah. Uh, they, they have me bring guys like y'all over to entertain. We, we, it's a private club that has some public access. Uh, the Irish government, um, wants us to, you know, allow some Irish folks to play. So there, there is sort of like a model there where you can get on the golf course. Um, but it, it really is, uh, an amazing story. Brian and Tony, this is a love story about friendship and golf. In their motto is it's built by friends for friends for the love of the game. Yeah. Right on the and web right on the website. It stands out. It well, let me tell you, the the lodge is five stars plus. I mean, every room's basically a suite. Uh, the attention to detail is like you would find it the best resort, the best private uh hotel experience you could imagine the food is is farm some you know farm to table type food it's all fresh that's the amazing thing you know i've been to england i didn't think the food was all that great ireland <laughs> the food's fantastic our people they do it right when it comes to food um and then the staff is you know on point um if you want something they get it done if you need something they get it done if you want a particular line of clothing they arrange it for you uh the caddies are fantastic. You know, they've got the Irish caddies, which always makes the experience oh, yeah. more fun. Knuckleheads, when, funny. You know, when they say you yeah. got you got one thirty tree, one thirty tree. It's a one thirty tree. Bit, a wee bit into the wind. It's a wee bit. You, know, you got one thirty tree. You might want to hit your two iron. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So. Hey, um, is the is the Butler Arms Hotel still there? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yes, the Butler Arms Hotel is still cranking. They got the piano bar, the, the snooker table. Piano they still bar. got the snooker table in the uh, the side room. Uh, I, I haven't played the snooker table. I've snuck over there a few times for the sing along during oh, during the Waterville Far the Sun. Uh, that that is an epic tournament. We that's kind of like New Orleans Jazz Fest. You go there for the 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 Waterville Far the Sun tournament is is like a national holiday. I mean, I everybody's out on the street and. You go to the Butler Arms, there's a waiting line to get in the place, yeah. and they, they're all in there singing Elton John, Billy Joel, every, every every imaginable song, plus all the Irish hits, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's really a cool experience. It, it's, I, I tell my friends it's hard to describe, yeah. and this is the truth. I've had probably uh, more than five guys that I've brought over there, and they immediately want to join. Yep. The day they walk off the golf course, they go, how do I how do I do this? So, Wardo, we're uh, yeah. we're going to have to do it. We're going. Hey, listen, the three of us are going to have to do a program. Um, George is out as the co-host. Should we bring one. George over You're there or no? The three Should of us. we let him? Oh, George. George would be a hit. He so, would love oh, yeah. it. You know, he he would love it. And so, you, the, the, what we do is, you know, you, you play Hogshead in the morning. You play Waterville oh. golf links in the oh. afternoon. We, got, we have three helicopters that we own. Um, you, you jump on a helicopter and you go to Old Head. You're in Old Head in 30 uh, minutes. It's not a three-hour car, three hour car ride. You go to Ballybunnen. It's about a 40-minute helicopter ride. You go to Dunebeg. You go to La Hinch. Um, yep. The one that's amazing, it's not a Lynx course, but a Dare Manor yep. where they're going to have the Ryder Cup is fantastic. It's, it's Parkland. a Parkland course. Parkland. So it's a lot like a, a lot of – similar courses you would see like Butler national. It reminds me of Butler yeah. national, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not excited about that. Listen, wa- I, 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 I something about 
you know, you're in Ireland. It's got to be links. So Adair Manor is beautiful. Yeah, you got well, the castle. It's all beautiful. But it was kind of like when they yeah. played the K Club, you know. Um, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You yeah. might as well play yeah. freaking. No, you're right. You're right. Oh. You can get that experience other places. Uh, Hogshead is a headland course. So if, if I was describing Hogshead, to me, it's a little bit like a course you might. The front line would be something you would see in Canada or Montana or Colorado. The back nine would be kind of a mix of Tory Pines S, but really mostly like Pebble Beach. That's all. So it's a lot like is, old, a lot like Old Head, yeah. right? Probably. And Old Head isn't known as being old a head. great, you know, golfer. Like I, I, I was talking um, with Tom Watson. I had caddy for Tom Watson one day in a little gig. And, oh, uh, let's tell the story because it's a pretty good story, actually. Well, the about. It, there's no about. There's no about. All right, I'll give you the quick one. So we opened up, Tom Watson redesigned our club here. It's called Lock Lloyd. And so we redesigned it. And so, um, you know, they know I'm a caddy. So I had my whites on and I show up at 630 morning on the practice range and we're shooting the breeze, you know. And uh, somehow Ireland golf came up. What's your favorite course in Ireland? Of course, he's a big Bally Bunyan guy. You walk in a Bally Bunyan 19th hole, every damn picture is Tom Watson. Yeah, they love him because yeah. he sold yeah. Bally Bunyan to the Americans a lot, right? Yeah. The tourists all came over. So, yeah. so there's a lot of nickels yeah, yeah. that the folks made on behalf of, of Tom Watson. So he was fantastic. I thought we we're like best friends. We show up in the first tee box, yeah. and he gave me his, uh, his you know, his, his laser to, to check distances. To check and, or to and shoot he, distances. And he, to shoot the distances. And he says, hey, can I, can I give you the laser? And there's all the people around. And I can't get the goddamn laser out of my whites. <laughs> and I'm stuck now. I don't know. I swear to God, it was like doing a Rubik's Cube. I could not get the goddamn thing out of my... And I'm pulling... And he's staring at me. With this freaking like hard nosed look, and I'm kind of laughing, like nervous laugh. Like <laughs> that's when you just give him the bad yardage. It was unbelievable. Oh, he see, yeah. I, I couldn't get it out. So finally, I get it out and I hand it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, right? And and and, and he he took it from me. He didn't even let me shoot it. It was like little boy, shut up. He took it from me. <laughs> All right, so our relationship was went, went from great on the practice range talking about Ireland to you're a little asshole. And when I want to take yardages, I'll do it myself. So a few holes later, no, next hole, we're on the tee box, and he, he said, um, all right, uh, um, what's the distance to the uh, front of the green? And I said, well, he, he did let me shoot it. I said, well, it's about 162, 163. He said, what? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's about 162, 163. He says, well, which one is it? <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's about 162, 163. And he looks me at he says, let me tell you something. There's no about in a boat. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, Gandhi. <laughs> All right. And I, can I just, listen, I wanted to strip my whites down and throw uh, them down the hill. <laughs> Welcome to the PGA Tour. Yeah, you're on your own, Anyway, we ended up. So being, I, used to tell, I used to tell people all the time when, when a pro asks for a yardage, just give them, if you're choking that bad, just give them an odd number. Because if you say 160, they know you're bullshitting. Yeah. If you say 163, they go like, oh, this yeah. guy knows his yardage. Yeah. You just got to give him an odd number. You what a funny thing. Cal, I had the laser. I didn't really have to be subjective on this. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. Well, here's what I want to know. What did, he, what did he throw you? Did he hit Did he hit the wallet? Did he throw you change he for did five a, at the end of the round? Or? Oh, dang, nothing. In fact, my little 12-year-old boy, God, I hope he's not. <laughs> yeah, nothing. That, my 12-year-old boy. Falling I, well? Yeah, a Ram, a Ram boy, boy, uh, signed. You got a Ram ball? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a yellow You got a yeah. yellow Ram ball. Yeah, I got it wasn't a, white that turned yellow. I got his, his tight lice. <laughs> From from uh, ninety eight, right? But anyway, we'll see. Yep. see yet and, and more stories. All right, so so um, we're gonna come over if you'll have us. We're gonna bring our little box here. Done deal. We're gonna do a we're show. Gonna, we're gonna do we a, show, a show. The from, three of us, and we'll get George, and we'll do it from Ireland. Right? We'll do a nice. Remote. Oh my God! We'll have it sponsored by Guinness. Yeah. Uh, we'll, yes. And we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. We'll actually do do live on the radio. Fuck yeah, we will. That's yep. a scary yep. thought. Yep, we Should do. we let George That's come over, I, though? That's George? the way I saw y'all start this show. A little live show might yeah. be. Yeah. Our, our verbiage is, yeah. It, when we were live pre-COVID. <laughs> the dog barking yeah. on cue. Yeah. Pre, Pre-COVID, we were... Um, Pre-COVID, you know, we, were we very, did everything, we did everything live. We were by the book. This is liberating. I feel like Greg Luganis right now. I feel fantastic. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> All right, so what everyone's waiting for before we do... we've. Before a quick commercial break, we got to hear the Tiger Woods story because everybody wants to hear that. How you catapulted his career. Jeez, all right. Bring the dog out. Let me shut the door of my dog. Let me get the dog. No one hears the dog. All right. Hey, listen, listener. Go grab your vodka. Come on back. We're having a great time. Kelly Gibbs is talking to Ireland Golf. We're going to do a little rapid fire with Wardo on the mic. On the Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Hi, this is George Brett, Hall of Fame baseball player, and I've been playing golf for over 35 years. Hitting the ball far was never my problem, but the closer I got to the greens, that's when my problems began. When I wanted a golf practice area in my backyard, I called Celebrity Greens. They are the industry leader in custom-built synthetic golf greens. These championship-caliber, low-maintenance greens roll great, react like real bent grass, and hold chip shots that check and spin. I absolutely love mine, not only in Kansas City, but also in Arizona. Call the pros at Celebrity Greens at 1-888-507-7960 or visit them online at CelebrityGreens.com. Practice like the pros or people like me that want to be pros right in your own backyard. He's got to distract him not to introduce... Interrupted. That's okay. You and I never have problems talking. You know? All right. How am I doing? Hey, you're doing fantastic. Like we're, hey, we're back on air, baby. Because we're on the Golf Underground with Kelly Gibson. We gotta, hey, if, 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 we're going to Ireland now. I'm all excited. I mean, see? You're on a trip. Wardo, there's so many benefits of being friends with you. No, there's zero. You know? I mean, every you Zero. We're going to Paco Ridge, too. We're going to both. Ryder Cup scenarios Wait, at both. Hold on just a second. We'll start at Paco. Just, just oh, there it is. Paco Ridge. <laughs> Paco Ridge. There it is. So, it is course in New Mexico. The mayor. You're, yeah. yeah. What is this? So we got, yeah, give us the skinny on Paco Ridge. We're going there too. So in 2018, you heard how I got involved in um, Hogshead. Well, in 2018, Brian and Tony purchased Paco Ridge. It's uh, in Sandia Park, New Mexico. And we are in the process of now um, kind of redeveloping this property. It's the number one golf course in New Mexico. It was a Kendai design back in 2000. Uh, 27 holes, fantastic mountain layout, 
6,500-foot elevation, bluegrass fairways, bentgrass greens, some incredible aerial drops elevation-wise, mountain, no, no humidity. So for a guy like me from New Orleans, you don't sweat at all, and you can play till like nine o'clock at night. It's it's fantastic. High desert, like right above the golf course, there's ski runs um, from Sandia Park Ski. It's like a private ski resort. Um, really cool experience. And so we're we're out there right now working on the golf course, just doing some minor cosmetic changes. But it's it's a fantastic layout. It's really exciting to be a part of that as well now. That's awesome. That's Maybe awesome. we start there, right? We, you know, with the COVID and all. Well, I don't know. We'll I think we might out. just have to go all in. Let's just jump all in over there in Waterville. Maybe we do a um, a paid trip, you know, with the stable members. Let's go. Right? There you go. Let's now get everybody. So listen, to Kelly, guys. I tell you, I wish I could show you this Yo, place. He's got a long school of business going on here. Oh, wait, listen, because he, he's got the weights. He's got everything. Now, um, my, my uh, dumpy Irish ass uh, can't get out of bed early enough to come down here at 630. We so, have night so, sessions so I, too, but. So I get up, yeah, I get up at 615 and usually I pick up because he live streams it. So I start my workout on the shitter from 615 to 645, right? And and then and then I jump right into it. You know? It's pretty nice messed up. That he's on the shitter when my yep. fiance while I'm watching my fiance turtle is on the freaking camera. Yeah. He's playing with his dinner. There you go. That's amazing. That is part of his workout routine is the wraparound. Well, and I get you know, and, 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 right. And it gets crazy because, you know, my wife will come down oh and God. she'll hear from the shitter a female's voice saying, Come on, let's go. Do it harder. Harder and it's and it, it, I'm saying, honey, I'm not. It's not. I'm. It's well, a workout. So this, it's a workout. It's turtle. So Why are you doing that with turtle? This show. It's it's nuts, and, <laughs> right? I hope all twenty people respond very professionally. To uh, it's show. twelve. My grandma. My grandma. I have. Yeah. I'm the youngest of five, also. So that's five people. Actually, no, we're down to three of my. <laughs> Right. My wife's probably going to say, I hope y'all edit that show severely. It will be. Sully's anyway, gonna, Sully it. has his work cut it's out. Brian, Brian, Brian O'Sullivan now. Brian, Brian O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan. That's right. The three of us are <laughs> having a fantastic O'Sullivan. time. The three of us. <laughs> right? There you go. You look, you look like a turkey tree. Oh, well, my, my father owned an Irish pub in Connecticut, so you know I'm not one of these Kansas City, there you, go. you know, these phony Irish. You know, oh, yeah, you know there you go. I'm, I'm Ellis Island. I'm gonna types, go back with you know. Yeah, let's put the let's back. put the yeah, hogshead yeah, back, back, back on. All right, listen, because yeah. because we've been with you, with you for two hours now. This is our, <laughs> officially our longest program ever. I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah, um, you you're by the way, um, you are now officially an hour and fifty minutes longer than Tom Kite's interview. <laughs> <laughs> And his Coke bottle. And it only went 10 minutes because you talked about his Coke bottle glasses. Six of the minutes were me saying I grew up a nerd with glasses on and you were my hero. And that set him off. I, it's, I swear to God, Kelly, it set him off. I said, you know what? You were my hero. I used to wear these Coke bottle glasses. And um, and you like it was almost like saying like the goofy kids liked you because you were goofy. And it and that it, from that point on, he would not look. He looked over I my did. head the whole interview. <laughs> I could go right in my little library over here. I've got a little library of books. I did a fitness book with Tom Kite. 
It's the epic Tom Kite photo. Have y'all ever seen it? Wait, did no. You, when you go to commercial break, if we get one more commercial break, I got to pull this book out of Tom Kite in my, uh, you know, my rookie year, I weighed 167 pounds. I'm now a very muscular 225. So you can imagine what my, uh, my, my career looks like. But, but anyway, yeah, Tom Kite, I've got a funny one. We're playing in, um, they used to play Oak, I think it was Oak Hill Country Club or Oak something in San Antonio, and they switched it over to La Cantera. And the 10th hole was this par five going straight up this hill. And if you hit a really good drive, you could go for the green and two. Well, I get paired with Tom, Tom on Saturday, and, you know, it's a big deal. He never won a tournament in the state of Texas. And at the time when he was playing, he was a – I think the winning is the money winner of all time at the, at some point, like at the end of his career before they had all these world rankings and things. And he hits this forward on this elevated green and he's giving it the old Tom kite, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, the little, the little move he had. Right. And the crowd's going wild. Well, the ball rolled up and caught a ridge line and came back down the hill and the crowd starts going, you know, like, and it comes down off the green and it rolls. No, no BS 70 yards down. And I'm sitting there going like, Holy smokes. And I was trying to hit like a four iron in. So I wound up hammering my four iron past the pin, just gave up on trying to go for the pin and just hit it 30 feet past because I didn't want to have this shot going back. Now you got a wedge shot literally straight uphill. Tom gets up there and just nips his wedge shot. He was like the best wedge player on tour at the time. Yeah. And he hits it. And he's got some, now I'm standing up on the green. He hits it literally 12 feet past the fence and it checks and starts spinning. And he kind of like lips it out for Eagle spins right back down. This is the first time we played this tournament. And the first time they've used this pin on a Saturday comes back down the hill, goes back down, five yards past him. Now he's like 75 oh. yards and it rolls into a divot <laughs> and his head is just absolutely effing exploding. You could see it on his face. Now I've got my towel up over my face. You know, I'm sitting there like oh. laughing going like, Oh my God, this is going to be unbelievable. Well, here comes the shot out of the divot went maybe 20 yards starts rolling back down the hill. This is a PJ tour event and you can hear him just going like he winds up making an eight on the hole. I mean, he hit, literally he was within he was within twelve feet of eagle on his second shot. On his third shot, he basically lipped out. His fourth shot went twenty yards. His fifth shot on the green, and he three jacked it to like an eight. <laughs> and he's I don't I was I was in tears. He looked over at me, and he could see that I was laughing. No, and he could see that my caddy was laughing. Oh no. yeah, and I, the guy never talked. No. I don't think he ever talks to me ever again. Oh, I bet. I, I'm not bullshitting you. So oh, no love lost there. Oh, but yeah. I'm that, sure. That's my Tom Kite story, among oh, others. But, well, I worked with Chuck Cook out of Austin, yeah. Texas for years and had to watch him and try to practice and learn those dreaded wedge shots that lip out and go down the hill. So my my note to him yeah, is – Yeah, Tom Kite. 
Yeah. Great wedge bar. My note to him is <laughs> don't hit it less crisp or don't clean your grooves and you won't have that problem. Yeah. Good point. Soli's never cleaned his grooves ever. No, no. In fact, you know what, Kelly? You need to know that uh, what rep- he represents. Well, he represents the good golfers. Um, the clubs I were playing up, it, it was playing up until last year, were um, um, Nike rental clubs. <laughs> no, no. Well, it, it because. Wait. At, at my golf club, they had a wedding, and someone stole my club. So I said, would you give me the rentals? And I started playing great with the Nike rentals. Why would I give them up? Isn't because I'm worried about perception. You see, I don't worry about what people think of me with the with the outfits. I'm not one of the fancy dressers or the good golf clubs. You got to clean your golf clubs? What's what's next? The feminization Players of America is what this is. Players recognize game when they see it. Exactly. Right? That's right. Kevin? That's right. Players recognize game when they see it. Well, you're the ultimate player. All right. Do you have any uh, closing rapid fire questions? Uh, I I thought he was going to tell me he had Browning 440. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's got Brown something. No, I do. No, I still have the Nike uh, uh, hybrid though. Fantastic. It's all dinged. We're not, we're not even going to waste our time with Tiger. We're going to go to rapid fire questions. Yeah, let's go. But you know why? Because, by the way, Kelly's going to be coming back like monthly, for Christ's sakes. With so our resident be, co-host. He'll be our resident. Yeah. We'll have have ra- I've got some good ones. We'll have happy hour with Kelly. All right? We'll Done. Just, we'll just do an, a, the happy I'll, hour. I'll tell you the Tiger one real quick before you do rapid yeah, fire. Yeah, do it. It's basically this easy. In 1996, I shot 365s in a row in the Las Vegas Invitational. On the 16th hole in the final round, I had a hanging three-iron lie. And I, I really kind of almost pulled out a couple putts on the previous holes. Playing with Mark Kalkebeckia, Tiger's in the group in front of me, and Davis Love is in the group behind me. And I hadn't won on tour, and this was a clean shot. I was definitely playing the best out of everybody. I felt, in my mind, at least my story, and I've told Tiger this is my story. I get to tell it how I want to tell it. <laughs> hey, by the way. So I go for the 16th. Hang on, I don't mean to interrupt uh, was Buck your caddy at this time? Yes, he was. And, and what did Buck he t- what did he tell you to do? <laughs> Hit the best. He told me to lay up. Okay, just, <laughs> all right. Continue, continue. <laughs> and I grabbed the three iron. I told him, and I said to Buck, I said, "Look, Buck, I didn't, you know, classic. You, you say this thing. I said, I really want to win this tournament." And he goes, "Well, then hit the three iron. You know, if you if you're that committed, you got to go with the committed shot." Because I wasn't a good wedge player. Hence the story earlier about Sevy and. And I just wasn't. I was a great driver of the golf ball, and I, I hit the, I hit my irons good, and I was long and all that. So I figured if I could get the three iron on, then I would get one up on Tiger because I didn't know it at the time. He was making birdie on 16. I wound up hitting in the water. Well, this part of the story I don't tell too many people. I got it up and down from like 115 yards out for par. And then on 17, I hit a five iron that landed about 10 feet from the hole. It's a hard hole. And it went to the back of the green, and Dave Stockton was playing, I believe, with Tiger. And I rolled up my putt, I don't know, two feet, maybe, you know, 20-something inches. And I wound up missing the, 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 the two-footer, three-footer, whatever it was. I lifted out. And Dave Stockton had missed the same short putt. It had a weird little break in it. And I wound up losing the tournament by shot. Tiger wound up par in 17 and par in 18. And then Davis made birdie on 16. He was behind me at the time. He birdies, so he winds up tying Tiger getting the playoff. I lose by one, and it's it's the story of my life. I, I tell people I delivered Tiger to the world. Tiger's heard this story, so he thinks it's pretty damn funny. He goes, he looked at me, and he goes, you gave me my first win. And I said, of course, that's the way I see it. That's my story, and that's, that's how I'm going to tell it. 
I mean, I shot three sixty fives in a row um, to lose by one. I don't know any of the tour players that have ever done that. Tiger Woods gets his first victory. Here's the part that really sucks, Brian. You'll appreciate this because tricks like Kevin will text me every year during the Las Vegas Invitational <laughs> and they go like, it's an ESPN classic. So they replay it on ESPN2 every year now for 24 years in a row. They've done this to me. And all my friends will text me during that week going like, hey, dude, you're playing really good. Lay up on 16. Don't go for it this year. And make sure <laughs> the putt breaks a little left uh, on 17. Out of and, you know, and they go, they look like you've lost some weight. You know, because I had an afro and a mullet back then, and I weighed about 180 pounds. But so that's the story of my Tiger Woods well, listen, experience hey, right you're, here you're, in a you're, nutshell. You said that you delivered Tiger to the world, but we did a we did a live event probably pre-COVID. It was last year, probably last year at this time. Where were we at? What was his name? Steve Scott. Steve Scott, who Tiger beat. Oh yeah, beat in the uh, U.S. Am. And it was because Steve Scott reminded Tiger as he walked away that um, he had to move his ball, put it back to where it belonged. Yeah. And George Brett said to him. Imagine so that. He was telling the story. So they talk about integrity. So the guy had integrity. George, George Brett says, you are the most fucking stupid human I've ever <laughs> met in my fucking life. <laughs> Right, because the whole story was supposed to be about integrity and doing the right thing, and George goes, "The fuck, yeah, wrong sport." Wrong sport. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually got to play with Tiger in his first tour event ever in 1992, my rookie year. I, I played a practice round with him at, at Riviera. I played the back nine with him, which even then, you know, it was incredible. I mean, he's 16 years old and he was hitting 300 yard shots yeah. with wooden clubs. Again, going so back 1992, going back to the resume of memories you've freaking had, you've crushed it. And and by the way, you're not done because um, when you take me and Wardo and George out there, there's gonna be some new memories. If I only hope we can remember them, we better take pictures. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, are we ready for some rapid? We are ready, ready for, for some rapid. We're fire ready for the questions. rapid fire, sponsored by Celebrity Greens. If you're looking for to turn your backyard into the most fantastic putting green slash sand trap, call CelebrityGreens.com. Where do take it. it away? You should you should see the Celebrity Green I designed and built here in Covington, Louisiana. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah, player. Player alert. You wait until you see a picture of this. I'll have to send it to Is you. Is it done? It's epic. I built Oh, yeah. I built it for a school. I'm going to text it to you right now. Send it's, that it's shit to Is it an official celebrity green? Absolutely. Ooh, player, see like it? I said, all you got to do, is, all you gotta gotta do an- is say a name of player. We got another evangelist. We got another one. We got a Celebrity Greens evangelist right here. See? Making the sponsorship well worth the investment. Wait. Wait until you see this one, my friend. Well, my boy Weston Weber at Celebrity Greens out of Scottsdale is just the man, and he's a proud sponsor of the show, and absolutely, we did a nice little job for uh, George here in Kansas City. We've got Gary Woodlands going. We got another one going out of Topeka. This is the second one. Check your phone, Kevin. I just sent you. This is the second one I've done. I'm going to send you a color Holy picture shit. Player alert there. Player. How about that, my friend? That looks nice. 
little chipping areas for the kids. That? Hey, you two, um, the, the built listener. Built that March 19, 2019. I built it for the school there, Christ Episcopal School in Covington, Louisiana. And I built one for Sacred Heart All Girls School in, in New Orleans. Boy, that's nice. Um, John Schmank, who's my architectural partner that I do a lot of work with, he and I designed that, and then we built it with the Celebrity Green guys. Uh, a guy named Evan Weems and a guy named Patrick uh, McMath own the franchise rights for Louisiana and Mississippi and the Gulf that's Coast area. So they, they're the ones that did the construction on it. But we did the design component with uh, my instructor, Rob Noel. It's certified Aimpoint Green, too. How good is that? It's beautiful. That. Yeah. See. That's fun. Of course we so teach Aimpoint. I just have, I have crooked yeah. fingers. Look at my fingers. They're crooked, so I can't yeah. do Aimpoint very well. So, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of Rob Noel, but he uh, – so the deal I made with the school, this is kind of unique. I went to the school board, and I said, look, I'll build this green if you promise to teach golf as a core curriculum sport in your, you know, in your sporting program. And instead of teaching – and they go like, well, what do you mean you're going to build us a green? I said, look – None of these kids are going to be playing basketball when they're 30 and 40. And I said, you live right near two nice golf courses. And I said, if you start teaching the core values of golf in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, I'll build you this fantastic green. And we shook hands and they said, go do it. And I got it done rather quickly, like in a two month period. Jeez. Built the green and now they're teaching golf in kindergarten with oh, the, the snag equipment. All the way up, we've, we've got a. They, they went to districts in golf already, so they didn't have any golf program. Build it, and kids are out there playing right now on it. That's so awesome. it's, it's fantastic. We got to get more of that stuff yeah. in the inner city. You know, get 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 most. Yeah. I mean, no and listen, New Orleans is a rough town. Let's be honest. All right, Canal yeah. Street. Well, this is, holy crap! Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I live. I, I, I was born and raised in New Orleans. Uh, lived downtown for eighteen years five-generation guy there. I, I live in a, in a town called Covington. It's north of town now, but I still say I'm from the home. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. it. All right. Well, Are you ready well, for a little wrap? Yeah. Well, one, one final thing. So um, um, I, I dropped an old my old girlfriend off who I dated for many years. I lived in <laughs> Chicago. I dropped her off at Tulane Med School. We pull up on Canal Street uh, in her apartment. And I said, what the fuck? This is, I mean, it, it was like... Um, yeah, it was a bit like yeah. um, Afghanistan, right? I mean, it was a little rough. <laughs> but then you sneak up the road, you go to the beautiful parts next to Pascal Manali, you get some nice, get there some, you, right, go. you get some nice barbecue That's shrimp. That's where barbecue shrimp was invented. Barbecue Pascal shrimp, Manali. right? And then yeah, the Bacchus go. parade's coming by on Tuesday. There you go. You got John That's Larry. The parade I had Brian Rod in Bacchus. Yeah, see? See? Hey, I'm listen. A, I'm a loose. I'm a. Uh, I'm a sergeant on one of the floats. Of course you are. You see, this is what I'm saying. We're going to have a nice time together. <laughs> you need to come visit Mardi Gras. Yeah. That's a bucket list for you guys. Yeah, and Jazz that Fest, is, jazz fest is right with it. All right, you ready for a yeah, little rapid-fire questions? Jazz Fest, guy. It's right, jazz fest is right during the middle of golf season. It, it goes up yeah. against the Zurich Classic. So, we, yeah. you know, I haven't had the experience of Jazz Fest too much, but... You ready yeah, for it's fun. Take it yeah, away. That's a big deal. It is. Here we go. Some rapid fire questions right off the gate. Emergency nine brought to you by Sheridan's Unforked Eden. Good feeling good. Are you ready, Mr. <laughs> Kelly Gibson? Bring it on. I am ready. He Let's is He is ready. All right. The best ball striker other than yourself you have ever seen. 
That's Paul Stryker other than myself. Oh, wow. Don't say Boo Weekly, please. Greg Norman, Tiger Woods. Do I have to say one person? Uh, That's fine. All right, here we go. If you could go have a drink in this city, it would be blank. In this city? In a city. city? Your city? In a city. Sazerac in New Orleans. All right, okay. Nolens, baby. Nolens, baby. The hardest test of golf you have ever played. Hardest test of golf. Wingfoot, 97 PGA. Ooh, well said. It was brutal. Well Best said. Best page, 2002. Even more brutal. Wow. The most... Just open. Best page. Excluding Seve from the conversation, the most decorated short game you've ever seen. Phil Mickelson, without a doubt. Phil Mickelson, the best short game. Tiger Woods, the best putter. Jack Nicholas, the best golfer. Greg Norman, the best driver of the ball. You're taking away from my rapid fire. Come on. This is, oh, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. I love this. Jim Furyk, the straightest driver. Best swing Tom to Kite, me. The best wedge game right in there. Best fundamentally sound yardage control. Tom Kite. The coolest guy to play with, Fred Couples. Very laid back, cool. That guy's cool as it comes, man. Can I throw one in? Funniest. Who on tour? Zeller. Who on tour would say Kelly Gibson is the coolest guy on the freaking planet? <laughs> None of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Elizabeth Gibson. Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. All right, I have right. to beg her to say it. <laughs> I have to beg her to say it. There's more haters out there than lovers. Oh, you're ass. No. Not, not anymore. You got two. I'm all in. I'm in the Gibson.com train right here. So the best there player, go, the best player that nobody's ever heard of. Mo Norman. Yeah. Best ball striker. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little. You caught me with the rapid fire. Mo Norman's the best ball striker I've ever seen. And I actually play with him in tournaments. He is the best, without a doubt, the best ball striker I've ever seen. I don't know if you, any, most people don't know who he of is. Of course. Doesn't he have, he would show up at the Kennedy. Doesn't he have like he Asperger's or Tourette's? Open. Yeah. There was something wrong with him. I don't know if he was on the autism spectrum or Asperger's. He, he was definitely, um, not dealing with uh, a full deck when it comes <laughs> to that side of life. But as far as ball striking goes, I probably saw him perform 30 clinics, and it was a gift from God what that gentleman had as far as hitting a golf ball. I watched him hit for 30, 40 minutes one time with a driver that weighed E5 wooden with a grip that had like five wraps oversized and not miss a fairway out of hitting maybe probably 50 to 70 golf balls, not miss the fairway. I mean, on a dead rope, the pattern was off the charts. And he gave me a personal golf lesson one time that is a total riot story. He he, he was part comedian, part uh, savant. It's just ball striking. When he would walk up on the range, they had to coach him to come up and hit at the Canadian Open. And he's the only player I ever saw Jack Nicklaus stop hitting balls, walked over, and watched Mo Norman hit for about 20 minutes. Wow. True story. That is That's insane. Yeah. So That's best ball good. striker, Mo Norman. 
Okay, best yeah. best putter. He said Tiger. Universe. He said Tiger. Tiger Woods. He said Tiger Woods by far. Tiger. I mean, now now I say Tiger because he's won the most, and you don't win without putting great. I mean, back when I played, Willie Wood was off the chart putter. Brad Faxon, Ben Crenshaw. It's hard to argue. You know, you play you play with Ben Crenshaw. He he just never three putts ever. He had this. You shake his hand, and it was like it was like a weird feeling. His hand fit perfectly in your hand. He, it was never, he wasn't like weird or too muscular. It was like he was born with a putter in his hand. I've got double X hands. I, I still don't know how to hold a putter, but I can hammer a jobber. But holding a putter, it's like, you know, you give an artist a paintbrush and they they can create the most pretty prettiest things in the world. You give a guy like Willie Wood or, or Brad Faxon or Ben Crenshaw or david frost a putter and it's like they were born with it tiger's the best putter of all time in my opinion i love it hey wardo this was a fun day i'm gonna keep going which by the way kelly you know what's been the best part of this is um you've forced wardo to spend two hours with me you know he's very selective (laughs) there you go baby i told you you i could do this for five hours i mean best guest ever in y'all's history no it's the best tom kite just a little longer than tom kites yeah, he's a, he's. Well, I think we stretched that one to Jack fourteen. Jack Nicklaus, the best mental game ever. Best mental game? I don't know. Tiger's Jack pretty Nicklaus. strong. You got to watch that documentary. All right, so yeah. uh, so Kel, we yeah. got, uh, we have a date together, the four of us, me, Wardo, George, Kelly, George. We're gonna set this little gig right up uh, on the uh, veranda at the Butler Arms post golf. Right? We're no bullshit. No bullshit. Kelly, George is marrying uh, me and the turtle, Sarah, in September in Scottsdale. Is he so. a minister? Yeah. Is he a minister of uh, fun? No, he's not the minister of fun. You might be fucking marrying us after all. <laughs> he might be. All right. So, Kel, God bless you. And by the way, um, not spoken about enough today on the show. Thank you for what you did for your Thank community in, in after Katrina. Amazing. By the way, that means more than all the bullshit we talked about today. And that is why you're going to heaven. Okay, let's be honest. Thank you so much. All right, Love so listen. Being on you guys. Well, we had a great time, Kelly Gibson. By the way, where, where could people check you out and find some of these great stories? Give us the website. Well, you can go to hogtaggolfclub.com or pacogolf.com. Check out those two courses. Um, you can go to my foundation, kellygibsonfoundation.org. All right, great. Check All out, right. I got stories posted from the tour on there. Um, we're going to do more stories from Hogshead. Well, we're going to have him back for the happy hour. All right, listen, hope you had a great time. Another wonderful show, Warder. I love you. I love you. Kelly, I love you even more. <laughs> and I love <laughs> our audience of 15. So, hope you had a great time <laughs> on the Golf Underground, ESPN Radio.